Go back to Romans chapter 10. And we are, Lord willing, uh, if the voice will hold out, going to finish up Romans uh, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 tonight. We have spent six weeks, I think, on verses 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Guys, here's what we've done thus far. Um, the, our, our handling of those two verses has been broken up into really three um, sections. The first section and the longest section had to do with content. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Um, and by the way, we were. It, what I was saying is that these two verses is a definition of saving faith. Romans 10, 9, and 10. They are a, they are a, a, pretty much a definition of saving faith. And so the first thing we looked at is content. And the text says that if you, if you believe in your heart that God, there was two parts of the content, uh, the, the fact of the deity of Christ, um, and then the resurrection that God raised him from the dead. That was content. The second point had to do with the character. This is what we looked at last week, actually the last two. The character of saving faith. And we said it's, you, you believe it in your heart. That is, the issue is not an intellectual issue. The issue is a, is, a, um, is a heart issue. And every time the Bible talks about heart, it is talking about the very center of your personality. Everything that makes you you is bound up in this word. Um, we had a staff meeting on, on, um, on Tuesday. And I don't know whether you remember this. You probably don't. You probably don't. I mean, you know, you just figure out how to get through the day. But on Sunday when I preached, I made the point that in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, that my translation had left out the word heart, which is unconscionable, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know why. But anyway, I went to the staff meeting on Tuesday, and I took my, my Hebrew Bible, and I showed it to the whole staff. So now the whole staff can verify. No. That the word heart, it's it's this word. Um, hold on. Lamed Bait. It's, it's in the text. Why they left it out of Daniel 1.8, I do not know. But anyway, back to Romans. The character of saving faith is that it's believed in the heart. All right? Now we come tonight to the third part, or the proof of saving faith. And look at the text, guys. If you confess with your mouth, <laughs> that is... The, the evidence, the, 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 the proof that I, I have this is something that comes out of my mouth. Now, gang, I want, I want to do something. Now, this is, this is my own little observation, and I thought it was such a good one. I wanted to notice it's content, which is something that is handled in the mind. It's believed in the heart and confessed with the mouth. The saving faith involves the mind, the heart, and the mouth. And don't ever try to separate any of those from the other. They all come together, ladies and gentlemen. Those three are a package. They are the, the content of saving faith, the character of it, and the proof of it 
uh, involving all of me, my mind, my heart, and my mouth. We'll talk about that a little bit more tonight. But um, we're, we're, what, I'm, what I'm calling the, the rest of this text has to do with the proof of saving faith, and it is that it is confessed with my mouth. The heart cannot be engaged in something that doesn't ultimately lead to an expression that flows out of my mouth. Uh, because if, if the heart is, is, is moved, if the, if the heart is involved, um, action just flows out of that, ladies and gentlemen. And one of those actions is, um, is something that comes out of your mouth. Um, Jesus makes a statement in, in Matthew chapter 21. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 12, um, verse 34. He says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Again, if the heart got engaged by this gloriously sovereign work of the Spirit, its evidence is something that comes out of my mouth. Um, Guys, let me put it like this. If a man tells me that he has believed in Christ... And yet he goes on to say that he feels exactly the way that he did before he believed in Christ. I I want to suggest to you that that's not saving faith. Because that is to say, I can. I can divide the heart and the mouth. I can separate that from the mind. Gang, if this thing grips the heart, something inevitably flows out of... This is a statement that is made by an old Puritan. His name is Thomas Hooker. I don't like to have a name like Hooker, but um, it was his name. And Thomas Hooker said this. If a man hath faith within, it will break forth at the mouth. That's that's just just a a truism, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Listen to this statement. This is found in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. The statement is this. For the love of Christ controls us. Hmm. Yeah. When, when, when I have been ravished by the love of Christ, it affects everything. And according to this text, it affects my... It, it, there's something that flows out of my lips about this thing. That has gone on mark. Listen to this. This is another statement out of Acts chapter 4. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. It's like we can't help it. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot stop ourselves because. The very center of me has been changed. Something flows out of my mouth. Now, guys, I don't know whether this comes to your mind, 
but I'm going to address it anyway. Um, I am suggesting, what I'm saying to you is that there's no such thing as one who would call himself a secret believer. There's a statement, this is what I thought that might come to some of your minds. There's a statement in John 12. Um, Yes, uh, yes, listen to this. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. I have just said there's no such thing as a secret believer, and that text seems to contradict what I just said. It says these guys, they believed in him, um, but they did not confess it. They did not talk because they didn't want anybody to have anybody put them out of the synagogue. I want to read you a quote from Robert Haldane. Robert Haldane is, a, is an old Scottish commenta- uh, um, theologian who the Lord used in, in, a, in a revival in Switzerland, gosh, in the 1800s. This is what he said. Confession of Christ is as necessary as... F- Let me go back. Confession of Christ is as necessary as faith in Christ, but necessary for a different purpose. Faith is necessary to obtain the gift of righteousness. Confession is necessary to prove that that gift has been received. I don't know whether you got that, guys, but that's a, that's a, a very succinct and concise statement of um, confession and, and, and faith are both parts of this thing because faith is the thing that joins me to Christ but confession is the thing that proves that I have it um, he went on to say and I just have a short sentence he confirms by mouth what he procured in heart um Okay, if that's true, then what is being said in John 12 about these guys that um, were these secret or appeared... This is John 12, 42, by the way, and I just said there's no such thing. Anyway, I want to, I want to address this um, because I think it should naturally come up. But anyway, it says they believed in him, but they didn't confess him. Here's the next verse. That was verse 42. This is verse 43. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Now, what is Does that sound like um, a genuine saving Christianity to you? They love the praise, the glory that comes from the praise that comes from man more than the praise that comes from. Does that sound like the real thing to you? Than to me either. James Boyce said this, and I'll, I'll leave this little topic. He says, whatever the case, whether these men are um, saved or not saved, these men were trying to do something that ultimately is impossible. Either the secrecy kills the discipleship, or the discipleship kills the secrecy. I like that. Either the secrecy kills the discipleship, or the discipleship kills the secrecy. There's no such thing, guys, as... um, uh, Possessing a a saving relationship with this Savior that doesn't eventually show up in something that comes out of your mouth. Imagine, guys, imagine how hard a statement that was 
for a converted Jew to make in the first century. Judaism was, was, they were known monotheists. You know what monotheism is. That is, that God is singular. And what they were being asked to say is that Jesus is Jehovah. Imagine how hard that is to say for a converted Jew who all of his life had been taught monotheism and now is being introduced to something called tritheism or the Trinity. But gang, if if the saving work has been wrought in the heart, even for somebody who has spent all of his life in Judaism and faces untold persecution from his family, it comes out of his mouth. It was far more difficult for it to be coaxed out of their mouths than it is for it to be coaxed out of ours. And very honestly, it should never have to be coaxed. So, guys, the um, the proof of saving faith is something that, that comes out of my mouth. Now, I want to say a, a few things because I bet you my wife would never dream that I would ever say this. Uh, because it really sounds baptistic. And ladies and gentlemen, if you know me, I am not a Baptist. I might be another. I'm not a Baptist. I'm just not. I know a lot of you are, and you you probably need to repent of that. But uh, <laughs> um, but no, I'm not a Baptist. But this sounds so Baptistic. But it's it's so New Testament, guys. Once a confession of the mouth occurred, what happened next? in the story that is told for you in the book of Acts. What happened next to these people? They were baptized. That, doesn't that sound baptistic? But that is certainly the case that, that is being told in the book of Acts. These people were converted, they professed their faith, and then Peter told them, then you, you need to be baptized. Now, of course... Uh, we, we won't get into that discussion tonight, but, but gang, um, if you're a if you're a professing Christian and have never been baptized, shame on you. Uh, baptism is not a saving ordinance. You know that. Nobody would ever. Well, that's not true. There's some. It's called baptismal regeneration. But I mean, you none of you around here believe silliness like that. That 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 a sacrament saves you. You understand that. That our, our, our safety spiritually is tied to the finished work of Christ. Nothing that you do. But it seemed important to the Apostle Peter to say, all right, you must be baptized. Not to add to the finished work of Christ. It was just part of this expression, this public dimension of me now belonging to a whole new Savior. So, that's another thing. Um, hey, guys, just just so that you don't ever go out of here saying, oh, I think Jimmy's becoming a Baptist. Uh, just so that you'll see that this grows right out of it. Go to Acts chapter 2. You know, this is this, this first sermon that Peter preached after Pentecost. And he's blowing and going in the middle of his sermon. <clears throat> and um, the, the crowd interrupts him and says, um, um, I mean, he's... Well, look at verse 37. He's preaching and he says, you've crucified him with wicked hands in verse 30, 
23, anyway, uh, verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And there it is. But now, guys, keep reading with me. And so, by the way, um, verse 40, 41, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added uh, that day about 3,000 souls. But keep reading. Keep, keep on going with me, guys. Um, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and, and, and the prayers. What does that sound like to you in verse 42? It sounds like some kind of church meeting. All I'm saying, guys, is there's a lot of ways that this proof occurs. There's a lot of ways that this this public dimension to my saving faith happens. I, I say some things. I do some things. One of them is, I'm, I, uh, I am baptized. Another thing, I think what verse 42 could be understood to say is, I find myself a church and I become a part of it. I just think that's what happened in, in Acts chapter 2, guys. There's other, there's other ways that, that this, that this can happen. I mean, um, you know, of course, one of the evidences that, that, that I have this, that I think would, would, would fall under here somewhere, you know, is just to, you know, those kinds of things, you know, you got this, 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 and this, is, is, is people recognizing that my life is changed. It, it would, another thing that I would love to put under here is, uh, the, the the whole way that I respond to and react to suffering. Because I'll guarantee you, the New Testament church had to face it in spades. And I'm not talking about knee surgery. I'm talking about the world reacting to them and spitting them out. Um, all of these things are just... I, I, I think they are outgrowths of this story that is told about the early church as recorded in the book of Acts. I want to close by saying something else, too. And, um, and I, because I, 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 um, I, I think this is a necessary, uh, what's the word, piece of balance. Gang. Um, I am calling you to some kind of public proclamation that you belong to Jesus Christ. Yes. But I am not calling you to parade that fact. I want to tell you a story. I, I read this story in one of the commentaries that, that, I, um, that I read to prepare for this. But I thought it was an interesting story, and I, I want to share it with you. Does the name Thomas Hodgkin ring a bell? You guys who are doctors here, you should recognize that name, Thomas Hodgkin. Uh, Thomas Hodgkin is the man who discovered Hodgkin's disease. He was a, a physician in England, I want to say London, 
Um, but the, the, the disease, Hodgkin's disease, is named for it. Um, he was a, apparently a very skilled, very excellent, very bright, very academic doctor. But he was never appointed. Um, I guess that's the way they do it over there in, in the medical world, or at least did then. Um, he was never appointed to the office of surgeon. And the founder, or the man who discovered Hodgkin's disease, never rose any higher professionally than as a curator at a museum. You know why? He was a Quaker. And as a Quaker, he wore a real funny long coat and he wore a really odd-looking hat. And he had a, had a, he had a whole lot of facial hair. And the people who were um, in charge of those promotions to those those uh, cushy little uh, prestigious um, surgeon jobs in the in some hospital in London, they passed him by because they thought that his dress was a bit too peculiar to promote him into that position. And so he was bypassed. Now, gang, here, here's, here's the point. There's something really admirable about, about that man, about the fact that he is a brilliant physician uh, ended up as a curator of a museum. That's as far as he would go because he, he wore funny clothes and he had funny looks and he maybe did some funny things on Sunday. But he, he wouldn't compromise his religious conviction uh, for some sort of professional advancement. That's impressive, don't you think? Don't you agree? That's, I mean, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, we don't see much of that. You know, you, you want to you wanna give me a job promotion? You know, <laughs> you tell me what I got to do. And, uh, and you put me down, boy, because I want one of those because I want to move on in my career. There's something, there's something impressive. Yes. But I want to suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, there's something also very tragic about it. Um... The reason this man did this was because he felt it somehow was wrapped up in his confession with his mouth. That he had to make some kind of visible statement uh, with his clothing. Um, and that his confession of Jesus involved the clothes that he wears. Now, guys, there's, certain, there's some truth in that, too, is there not? I mean, you know, we're called to dress modestly, et cetera, et cetera. But here's, here's the point that I want you to hear, guys. Jesus pronounces a blessing in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 on people who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, not for weirdity's sake. He says people who are righteous and are persecuted can, can, can know that they are going to enjoy the benediction of God upon them. But not because they're weird. 
Not because they're insensitive. Not because they're pushy. Not because they're arrogant. Not because they're obnoxious. Not because they're always running their mouths about Jesus. Because they're righteous. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. Not some kind of warped misunderstanding of this that leads you into all kinds of odd behavior and people throw you out of their corporate organizations because you're so dang weird. I don't have to be that, guys. And, and by the way, the weird attached to, I'm doing it for Jesus. Guys, I'll tell you a quick story and then and I'm done. Uh, I'm just about gone. Um, and guys, you know, I, I've been doing this for 70 years. You've been around for 70 years. You know this thing can go on forever. Uh, the fact that it's not going on forever is, uh, is um, there's something wrong down there. But anyway, um, I read a story one time about the gospel blimp. The gospel blimp. And what these, I'm sure, dear believers did, they rented a blimp, and they 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 flew over their little community, wherever that community was. And, uh, I think it was in Ohio. I'm sure it was. <laughs> um, and they 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 flew their little blimp around, and they dropped leaflets, you know, tracks, all over the neighborhood. Do you know how the neighborhood reacted to that? They were furious that you're cluttering up and that you're that you're putting all this trash all over the place and you're messing up our lawns and you violated our privacy and you got to get out, you know. And 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 now and when, I, when people were throwing rocks at them and and shaking their fists and screaming epithets and calling them nasty names. <laughs> stupid. And some of what we call persecution for righteousness' sake isn't persecution for righteousness' sake. It's persecution for stupid sake. So guys, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you to not open your mouth. But I'm, I'm trying to tell you that walk worthy of this gospel and Jesus wasn't, he wasn't that out of touch. And some of the evangelicalism I'm afraid is. And I don't want to be identified with it. And so, I want to plead for this. But I only want to plead for this. None of that other. That's good. Lord Jesus, I, I do pray that you will remind us that there is a very public, vocal, um, hearable, quantifiable uh, dimension and element to our... Um, relationship to Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would awaken your people to, rec- to, to uh, remind them that there is a, there is a duty, a duty um, because we belong to Christ that something has got to be said but that it is a duty that grows out of a heart that's been ravished 
by a message about forgiveness, a message about newness. And because we are so overcome by the beauties of Christ and the gospel, that duty becomes a very easy burden. It isn't heavy because it is something that's born of a heart that's in love. Father, um, might Grace Evan be a part of a very wise, a very discreet, a very in touch, a very um, wise, well-ordered, public proclamation that we, by the Sovereign Spirit, belong to Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray.